Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Thank you, team. That was great. Hey, welcome to North Bible Church. Good to see you, North Bible family. And if you're a guest today, we're so grateful that you're here. Uh, If you're a returning guest, we're also glad that you came back. And we hope that God's going to continue to use North Bible Church to bless you and encourage you and grow you. If you're online today, glad that you guys are watching online as well. Before diving in, um, a couple clarifiers and corrections I want to bring. Uh, Last week, apparently I said something I wasn't aware I said. Uh, I'm looking forward to going to the men's retreat, looking forward to meeting and getting to know a lot of you guys better. Um, And I was so excited that apparently I said, come that weekend because it'll be a weekend you won't remember. I just kept talking, and, you know, people were snickering, and my kids got a kick out of that. Some other people got a kick out of that, but uh, I mashed up, obviously, two phrases. One, it's going to be a weekend you will remember, you won't forget. Um, But just wanted to bring clarity to that. We're not doing anything really weird up there, you know. It's like, what happened at men's retreat? I don't know. What happens at men's retreat stays at men's retreat, you know. (laughs) No, first. Second, something that Daniel said, um, you know, if someone invited you to coffee and then uh, the coffee ended up being at church, I hope no one did that kind of bait and switch on you, right? Um, hopefully, however, the Holy Spirit has led you here. You do come hungry and thirsty, though, for what the Lord has for you. I want to take a few minutes um, just to share with you. A lot of you know, uh, if, you're, if you're new here, you might not know this yet, but uh, I'm the new lead pastor. We've been here a few months, and we're just excited about being here. But uh, I haven't had a chance to really share to the whole church some of my story. And although it's been a long time, and although I was in middle school and I was young, um, what my life was like and what I was thinking and feeling before I knew Jesus, and what I believed and thought and experienced after I came to know Jesus is still a very clear and vivid memory in my life. Uh, There's times when it feels like it was decades ago, and there are times when I feel like it was yesterday. And I know those of you who come to Christ maybe can relate to that and feel the same. I will say this, that I was raised in a good home, well cared for, provided for, um, but it was not a home of faith, so we did not go to church. Uh, there was a Bible uh, in our house, but it was on the bookcase with all the other books. It was, it was never opened. And so I was pretty much in the dark about God growing up. And uh, there were some other unhealthy dynamics in our home and family. And there were some other items in my life, just as far as wasn't, you know, didn't have some of those best friends, uh, was bullied quite a bit as a kid, started just listening and believing to lies that I would generate about myself. And what that did is it led me to become a very lonely, uh, angry, confused young man. And uh, eventually what my life started to feel like was I felt like I was in a room with a light, And that light just kept getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer every day until all I wanted to do was be out. Like I just felt trapped in this room and confused and just hopeless and lonely and angry and I just wanted out. And so I wrestled often with thoughts of taking my own life even as a teenager. And in the midst of that, God in his goodness sent me a friend from school who invited me to a little church in my Central Valley, California town. And the bus just happened to go in front of my house, and I asked my parents if I could go, and they're like, yeah, church, it's a good thing. So I I got on this bus and started going to this little Baptist church in Central Valley, California, where I was raised. 
And while I was going to that church, I started to hear a message that started to give me great hope and started to make sense. And for those of you who know Jesus, you know that the message I started hearing is called the gospel. The word gospel is the good news. And what I was hearing and what I was learning is that I was a broken, sinful, fallen person. And that there was this God who loved me immensely, but that my sin was a barrier to relationship with God. And that I couldn't work that off. I couldn't earn God's favor. I was basically stuck there in my condition. But God, because of his great love and his great mercy, and a word we're going to hear a little bit more about in a few minutes, his great grace, extended an opportunity for me to be made right with him through his son. I heard about Jesus, God in the flesh who came, who lived a perfect life, the life I could never live, absolutely flawless, perfect. He died on the cross for my sin. That was a death that I should have died as punishment for my sin. But he died that death on that cross for me and for humanity. And that all I had to do was put my faith in him and his sacrifice. And then I heard that he was buried and then rose from the grave. And he conquered death and he conquered sin. And this living Jesus was inviting me into relationship with him and into relationship with God. And only through him could I ever be made right with God. And only through him could I ever have forgiveness. And only through him could I be made whole and right. And so one little day in that little church, I came forward and I surrendered my life to Christ. And Everything didn't, didn't happen at once, but what happened is it put me on a path toward growth and a big Bible word called sanctification toward once I was made right with God through Christ, my life started to change. And the love and the life and the light of Jesus came flooding that little dark room I was in, and he freed me. He freed me from that prison. And so he, instead of loneliness, he, he gave me joy. Instead of anger, he gave me peace. Instead of loneliness, um, he gave me a community to be involved in. He multiplied my family. I had a good family, but he multiplied it, and now I've got the family of Christ. And he gave me this joy and this purpose and this passion, and he lit my soul on fire to live for him and to live for his mission. And I looked back, and if you could not pay me enough to go back to the old way. You, you couldn't offer me anything that would ever make me to want to go back to where I was, enslaved and trapped in the lies and the, and the feelings and the emotions that I had before Christ. I'm never going back. And for those of you who come to Christ, I bet you could all tell the same type of story. It's going to sound different. It's going to have its own nuances. We all came to Christ at different ages and in different ways. But here's one common ground. Would you ever go back? Would you ever go back to who you were before Christ? What's your answer? No way. No way, I'm never going back to that place. I was trapped, but now I'm free. I was dying in the dark, but now I'm alive in the light, and there's no going back. Today we're kicking off a new teaching series in a book of the Bible called Galatians. We're calling the series No Going Back. And the reason I selected this book and and wanted to teach from it in the fall is because I think we need to refresh our love, our understanding, our hope, our joy, our mission, our purpose in what's called the gospel, the good news. And Galatians is a book that's very gospel heavy. And this gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. 
And so we're going to dive into the book of Galatians. We're going to be in this book for a few months. I want to remind you of a few of the resources uh, that we at North Bible Church will offer at times to help you maximize your growth to get more out of what we're teaching from God's Word. A couple tools you may already have in your hands, but in case those of you who don't, uh, we have these scripture journals. We basically have just taken the book of Galatians, and one side is the verses. The other side is just notes that you can take. You can record insights and observations. Um, also, we have a scripture reading guide that each week we give you the verses that we're going to be teaching on. It's a little bookmark out there in the Information Center next to the journals. And my encouragement to you is read the verses first. Come with some familiarity so that what we're teaching, what we're talking about, isn't brand new. You didn't have a chance to look at it, develop questions. Maybe you'll have questions that will be answered during the teaching time. Maybe not, but then you can still come and seek us out and find answers to the questions you discover. Also, make sure you have a Bible or a good Bible app on your device. Uh, There's a bunch of great Bible apps. If you don't have a Bible app and you prefer digital Bibles, uh, go to YouVersion online, and you can download a Bible there. Or we have... Physical Bibles we'd love to give you as a gift in the Information Center. And uh, also, during this series, I'm going to challenge you to memorize a verse. It's one of the key verses of the whole series, and it's Galatians 5.1. Here's the verse. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Would you read that with me, please? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so as we go through this book of Galatians, we're going to be teaching about the gospel and the freedom that the gospel of Jesus Christ brings us. So with that, today, here's our focus thought as we get into the first chapter in Galatians 1. Our focus thought is this. Jesus Christ came and died and rose to free us from the power of sin. That's what we want to focus on today. So let's pray. And then we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1. Father, thank you so much that you change lives. We are not trapped. We are not stuck. We are not enslaved. You have freed us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for that, we are so grateful. Father, I pray that wherever we are at in our spiritual journey today, you will meet us in that place and help us take a next step to grow. Whether we don't know Christ yet or whether we're struggling in our faith, or whether we're living a vibrant faith with you right now, Lord, there's still room to grow and to share with others. So, Lord, whatever you want us to hear today, help us to hear it. Whatever you want us to think about today, help us to think that. Whatever you want our wills to do in response to who you are and what you've said in your word, help us to to take steps of faith and trust in that way. We ask in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen. amen. We're in Galatians chapter 1, and we're going to just be looking at the first five verses today. And so here's what we see, Galatians chapter 1. I'll read a little bit, teach a little bit, but here's what we find, Galatians 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Just a little orientation in history as we start this book. Uh, One, this is a letter penned by the apostle Paul, right? Uh, He's introducing himself on the front end. Oftentimes when we write a note, a letter, an email, we sign off at the bottom, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. Read a three-page letter and then like, wait, who wrote this, right? No, he introduces himself on the front end, okay, by Paul. And he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Christians living in the region of Galatia, 
which is modern-day Turkey. And so Paul planted this church, uh, multiple churches actually, in the region of Galatia, uh, Pisidian, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, these are towns in that region of Galatia, modern-day Turkey, that Paul planted churches. And now he's hearing rumors that they're struggling with some theology. And the tone of this letter is actually concern. It's pretty intense. So there's other letters to the churches and to other people that Paul wrote that's kind of loving and encouraging. This is all business. He's very concerned because he was like, I was just with you guys not too long ago, and already there's some people, we'll talk about this in a second, that are introducing some false teaching, and you're going with it. You're being gullible spiritually. And so he's concerned for these young churches in the region of Galatia, so he penned a letter that was going to be circulated. Sometimes a letter would just be circulated, and they would read it. Sometimes they would get it, copy it, and then send it on to the next church so that they all had, they didn't have Twitter, they didn't have email, they, they had to use these means to replicate the word. And so he was sending them a message about his concern and message of correction about what they were dealing with. This is right around about 49 AD. And again, the tone is one of care. So what's happening at this point is there's a group of people, religious teachers called the Judaizers. Now, you got to remember, the Apostle Paul was a Jewish man who was radically transformed by Christ. We'll talk about that in a second. But he comes from a Jewish background, and then he came to know the Lord, and then the Lord commissioned him for a special calling. And many of the people who came to faith in Jesus in the region of Galatia actually came from a non-Jewish background, a.k.a. Gentiles. And there's still some Jews in the mix, too. But these religious Judaizers, what they were starting to teach and what they were introducing and infecting the church with was this teaching that, oh, yeah, yeah, you've got to follow Jesus, but that's not enough. You still have to be Jewish by your behavior. So follow Jesus and make sure all your males are circumcised. Make sure you observe the, the, the dietary laws. Make sure you're practicing the holy days and all the, the festivals and all the special days. You need Jesus plus Judaism. And that's what they were starting to teach these non-Jews who started to go like, oh, I, we thought it was just faith in Jesus. And they're like, no, 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 no. You, Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. In fact, he wasn't even one of the original 12 disciples. He, he's just kind of a, a Jew that's kind of off the rails teaching this like grace faith in Jesus alone stuff. No, no, no. You, you need to be religious. You need works to add to the mix to truly be right with God. That's why Paul was concerned. And so he's writing to push back on this teaching and warn the Galatians about it. Now, what you notice here is Paul starts from the go reminding the Galatians of his authority to speak on the behalf of the Lord. You see that it says uh, of his apostleship that he was, it was not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. He's reminding the Galatians of his story, that once he was a persecutor of the Christian faith, he was an enemy of Christ. And on the way to Damascus, on the road to Damascus, he had a supernatural encounter with the resurrected Jesus who called him and commissioned him in a divine way to be his apostle, to be his sent one, specifically with a ministry that would emphasize uh, reaching the Gentiles or non-Jews. And so this was a divine calling. And Paul was not voted into his role. 
by a bunch of guys. There was no board that approved him. He wasn't nominated. He was divinely commissioned by the resurrected Jesus Christ himself. And so Paul was reminding them of his apostleship because it was under attack by the Judaizers. And so he was reestablishing his authority and credibility as a, as a spiritual father, as a spiritual leader among the Galatian people. And now he's trying to shake them awake to realize if you adopt this teaching that's infecting the church, it's going to take you back to slavery. You're going to become a slave to law. You're going to become a slave to religion. But Christ came to free you from thinking you have to be religious and uh, obey all the laws. So he doesn't want them to go back into slavery to legalism. That's what we see in the introduction. He continues his introduction. Look at verses 3 and then through 5. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I love what he does here. Uh, if you ever studied the letters of Paul to uh, churches and to individuals, it was very common. He kind of had this catchphrase, if you will, grace and peace. You saw it in the beginning or the end or both of the letters that he wrote, grace and peace, grace and peace. Here's what scholars have observed. Every single time that it appears, the word grace always comes before the word peace. It's never the flip. Because you have to experience the grace of God in order to have peace with God. You have to experience the grace of God in order to have the peace of God. And so you have to have grace before you have peace. And when we talk about grace, we're talking about God's undeserved generosity toward humanity. We're talking about a gift, something that cannot be deserved or earned by our good works. It's all due to the generosity and the love of God toward humanity. And when we talk about peace, uh, the Greek word irene is here. It's translation of the Hebrew word shalom. And so shalom not only communicates that we don't want any trouble in your life, like not just the absence of trouble, but also that you would experience the tranquility and calm and peace of mind and the highest good and the highest blessings that come from God because of his grace. And so he's saying grace and peace to you, his, his typical uh, catchphrase, if you will, to the Galatian church. And he's saying that those who receive the grace of God's unconditional goodwill toward mankind expressed uniquely and specifically through the work of Christ on the cross will experience and will enjoy peace with God and peace of God. How? How is that possible? He answers it in verse 4. He says, because Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us. That is so freeing. That understanding, that theology frees us from religious slavery and religious entrapment. Now, here are some other verses that, that will support and reinforce this understanding. A lot of us have this as a go-to, John 3.16, which is always a hard verse to bring up because like, oh, John 3.16, we've heard this a thousand times, but it should never get old to us. And every time John 3.16 is read in public, there's always somebody who's never heard it. And so it's really the gospel in a nutshell, right? For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is uh, the greatest giver, God, with the greatest motivation, love, gave the greatest gift, his son, with the greatest result, that we can eternal life, inherit eternal life instead of eternal punishment. But it's God's gift he gave, right? And so when Jesus died on the cross, he was our substitute for our sins. He atoned for our rebellion and sinfulness against a perfect, holy God. Uh, He died in our place. Our sins were put upon him. He's our atonement. That's why it's so offensive. If anybody tries to add anything to the cross, some of you have been raised, maybe even still have a lingering theology from your upbringing that's taught you, you have to be a good person for God to forgive you. That somehow, at the end of your life, God's going to take all your good and all your bad and put them on a scale, and one has to outweigh the other to determine your eternity, to determine your outcome of your life, your eternal life. There's only one problem with that thinking. It's not in the Bible. That's false teaching. The Bible teaches grace. It teaches that God has given his son as a gift We didn't deserve it, and we can't earn it. Because if we have to contribute anything to Jesus, then his death on the cross wasn't enough. Stand on that theology. Why don't you go have coffee with a friend tomorrow and say, hey, look, I want to tell you some amazing news, best news ever. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. Now, he only died for 90%. So he only died about 90%. His blood is only good for about 90% of your sin. You have to make up the difference. You've got to be good to make up the difference. And, you know, it's kind of a bummer. You can't fall 1% short. Like, think about that theology. Play it out. Tease it out. If, if works is real, if salvation, forgiveness, and right relationship with God is real, uh, as far as works being the mechanism, then what's going to happen if you get to heaven and it's like, oh, you were one good work short. You were so close. Like, play that out. Praise God for his goodness, amen? Praise God for his grace. I was talking to someone yesterday, went on a men's hike and had some great conversations with some guys. And we were t- talking to a couple guys about this. As a parent, you fully get this understanding. Like, like how twisted would it be for like my daughters to come to me later today and be like, hey, dad, I behaved all week. Do you love me more? Like, what? What are you talking about? Hey, Dad, I, I, did, I did chores. I did tons of chores all week. Did you notice all the good things I did around the house? Do you accept me more as your child? I'd be like, you, you lost your mind, right? That doesn't even make sense. So why do you have a problem with it theologically? The, the, the God says, look, look, I gave my son to pay the price. You don't have to work your way to me. I appreciate the good works. I do good works because I know Jesus, not so that I can know Jesus. I do good works because I'm saved, not to be saved. And so we come back to this John 3, 16, another verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of, what's the next word? Works, so that no one may boast. What if it was works? Well, hey, 
my works are clearly better than yours. Now we're boasting in our works. Hey, man, I helped an old lady across the street. You know, she couldn't see, she couldn't walk across the street. I helped her. Great. I went and built an orphanage in China. What are you going to do about that, buddy? You know, like, like we're going to boast in our goodness. We have nothing to boast in except Christ. Our salvation, our forgiveness is a gift. It's, it's offered. How weird would it be? Okay, look, think of your birthday. Think of Christmas. Think of special events. If someone gives you a gift and then you reach into your pocket and go, let me help you pay for that. That's weird. Right? That's just weird. You unwrap this present, and you're like, oh, man, this is amazing. I tell you what, I don't have any money, but let me, let me do some good things to help pay for it. Let me, I'll wash your car 10 times this month. And you might be tempted to say yes. But you're going to be like, no, it's a gift. It's just, just receive it. You've got to stand on that understanding. That's why God gave his son. One of the guys I was talking with on this hike yesterday, we were talking about grace, and it's not our works, and he goes, he, and I think he's still trying to process his, his story with God right now. He goes, so it's, really, it's, it's not really a point system. I said, no, it's not a point system. It's not a point system. If it is, then Jesus paid for all the points on the cross, amen? And so we have to come back to that. Romans 5, verses 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by, what's the next word? Faith, belief, trust, right? By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, not through works, not through attendance at church, not through our good behavior. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Some of you who've been in church a long time are going, these verses are so basic, they're so elementary, but should we ever get tired of them? Should we ever drift from them? Should we ever be persuaded to operate outside of them? Grace and peace. Now, one of the outcomes of this grace and peace is to deliver us. Notice that? It says to deliver us from this evil age. Now, Christ's death was a sacrifice for our sin to rescue us from a future wrath. From a future wrath of God. But it's also from the power of evil now. Clearly, this is not a reference to the presence of evil. We've been delivered from this evil age, meaning that we have been delivered from the power of sin and evil now. We now belong to a, a, a heavenly kingdom with a heavenly king. We've been made right with God. We're now part of his kingdom, part of his will, carrying out his will. And so we're part of his kingdom coming. We've been delivered from the power of evil, but not from the presence of evil. That's still to come when Christ returns. But he's delivered us, he's rescued us so that we can live in alignment, so that we can be conformed to God and his kingdom now. So we've been freed to do so. There's no going back. And so I want to come back to this term, the gospel. I want to double down on this word, the gospel, and the gospel content in these opening verses. In verse 1, it talks about Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we see in verse 4, Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us. These are non-negotiable beliefs within the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the word gospel, just to tease that out a little bit more, comes from the Greek word euangelion, which is where we get the word evangelism or evangelistic. It means to share the good news. So the good news of Jesus is the best news to humanity. There are many 
summaries and definitions of the gospel out there. You can study Bible dictionaries and Bible encyclopedias and commentaries, and everybody's taking a stab at crafting, you know, a good definition of the gospel. I like this one. I think it's really good. It's from the Wycliffe Bible Encyclopedia. It says, the central truth of the gospel is that God has provided a way of salvation for men through the gift of his son to the world. He suffered as a sacrifice for sin, overcame death, and now offers a share in his triumph to all who will accept it. The gospel is good news because it is, read this next part with me, a gift of God, not something that must be earned by penance or by self-improvement. What's the biggest section in the bookstores? Self-improvement. Guess which online library is the largest right now in the you know, atmosphere? It's books on self-improvement. The gospel is not about self-improvement. It's, about what, it's not about what we do for God or what we do for ourselves. The gospel has freed us from that. It's about what God has done for us. That's the truth of the gospel. And so for our time, I just want to give us a working definition of the gospel in one sentence. It's a lot more simple. It's basically this, the good news of God's redemption of sinful humanity through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I want to repeat that. The good news of God's redemption of sinful humanity through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has freed us from sin, from death, from slavery. Not just from sin, but also from legalism and religiosity. It's all about faith in Christ alone. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And so we're kicking, we're, we're laying that foundation as we kick off this study in the book of Galatians. We, we have to start with some of those basic, essential elements right now about the gospel. And so we come today and say, Jesus Christ came and died and rose to free us from the power of sin. That's what it's all about. And once you've been freed, you never want to go back. There's just no going back for those who are in Christ. Now, as I prepped and studied for this, it was so good for my soul to remember and to refresh what it was like before I knew Christ. Because even though it was decades ago, it's still so vivid to me. And just celebrate and rejoice in the changes that Jesus made in my life. And I hope that for those of you who are in Christ, even today is helping you think back. And if, if you need more time with that, I encourage you sometime today, just maybe even if you journal, get out a journal and thank God or just sit in it or share it with your friend or spouse or kids. Like refresh the time that you surrender to Christ. And what was different about you after Christ now is you're new in Christ versus who you were before you knew Christ and the differences. Let that refresh, be refreshed in you and encourage you. Now, as far as the gospel, I basically have four reflection questions for you to think about. Because I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. I don't know how long you've known Christ or if you know Christ. And I don't know how mature you are in Christ. And so here's four questions I have for you to think about as we start to uh, wrap it up here. One is this, do you know the gospel? You're sitting with a friend and they said, I heard a word the other day and I don't fully understand it. It was the word gospel. What is that? Do you know it enough to share it? What would you say? And do you know it personally, more importantly, right? Do you know the gospel? 
It, it, it went through your ears, into your mind, formulated thought that trickled down to your heart, which triggered the next one, belief. Do you believe the gospel? There may be some people online watching. There might be some people in this room here going, I don't know if I believe this. We, I just want you to know, we respect your journey to figure it out. We're not trying to pressure you. We're not trying to force the gospel upon you. God is a gentleman, and he's inviting you in to belief. He's inviting you into understanding. Our job as a church is to echo his invitation. But I will lovingly challenge you. If the gospel isn't true, then what are you holding on to that you believe is true? Is it works? Like, if you really dive into works, I think you're going to be dissatisfied with what you find. If you're clinging to works to be made right with God. Are you questioning God's existence? Well, that's a whole other conversation, but a lot of the alternatives out there I'm going to present to you, I think ultimately they'll be dissatisfying. They don't answer the big questions of where we come from. Why are we here? What's your purpose for being here? What's going to happen when this life is over? I think you start to follow that path outside the gospel and you're going to be dissatisfied with what you land on. And so we welcome conversation. We'd love to help you. We'd love to explore with you, help to share with you more about the gospel. So do you know the gospel? Do you believe the gospel? Can you defend the gospel? If you're in a small group, and someone starts to teach things that are non-gospel, can you be like, respectfully, by the way, respectfully and gently go, I'm not sure I'm on the same page. Get clarity. Are you saying that works are required? You have to say certain prayers. You have to do certain religious, you know, duties. You have to, like, is that what you're saying? And then push back. Well, the gospel teaches. Can you defend the gospel when you're in an environment just like Paul's dealing with here, that's sabotaging the gospel. And the last one, do you share the gospel? I, just as a pastor and a fellow follower of Christ, I think one of the greatest disappointments is, for those of us who know Christ, we have the best news possible. The news that can free people wildly beyond their imagination. And yet when you sit down with most, pe most people who profess faith in Jesus and say, when's the last time you shared the gospel? They can't remember. Months. Years. Yet when your team has victories, other good things happen in your life, we're so quick. We're so quick to celebrate earthly things, but we're not so quick to celebrate the heavenly things that matter most. I need to share the gospel more. I need to look for opportunities to share the best news more. I'm convicted, even studying this, I'm convicted about how stingy and how quiet I can be when it comes to sharing the gospel. Man, that's not God's plan for us. So do you know the gospel? Do you believe the gospel? Can you defend the gospel? And are you sharing the gospel? As we wrap it up here, I'm going to invite the worship team to join me. I want to leave you with those four questions. In a minute, I just want to talk to anyone who might be in the room who actually doesn't know Christ yet. But for those of you who do, I just want to remind you of what we have to grow as extra tools in this series, the scripture journals, the scripture reading plans, 
uh, your Bibles. Get that memory verse on lock. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not be submitted again to a yoke of slavery. And I guess if you know Christ, if you've been here the last few months, you're probably going to know where I'm going with this. What's the Holy Spirit telling you you need to do with what you heard today? How do you need to grow? What's your next step? Maybe those four questions will help you. But I want to talk right now to maybe some of you in this room that do not know Christ. Now, if you are watching online and you don't know Christ, send us an email at northbible.com. But for those of you in the room, I want to give you an invitation for just a brief touch point after the service. And so in a minute, we're, we're going to conclude just with some worship, and then we're going to dismiss. But if you don't know Christ yet, but what you heard today makes a lot of sense, and you're ready to take that step of faith and trust in Christ, I'm inviting you to stay behind as the rest of the service is dismissed. Or maybe you're confused and you need clarity, and you just want to touch base or have a spiritual conversation. Myself and a few other people will just be hanging out here as we dismiss, so we can see how we can help, how we can serve, how we can clear anything up that you have going on in light of what you've heard today. So that's my invitation to you. If you don't know Christ or you want to have a spiritual conversation based on what you heard today, because there's confusion, please stay. Here's some more about the best news ever. It could be the most important 10 minutes of your life. So stay behind when we dismiss. But for now, I'm going to invite everybody to stand. Let's pray. Let's celebrate this God who loves us. And then I'm going to come back up in a minute. I'm going to dismiss this. But if you want to hear more, stay. The rest of us will dismiss and uh, for some time of fellowship. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. From cover to cover of the Bible, there's one message. It's the gospel. Your love, your power, your healing your hope, your salvation, the freedom that you've offered us all in one story, cover to cover. We thank you for that. Father, I pray for my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that whatever your Holy Spirit impressed on us today, would you find us as obedient students, obedient children to take the next step of growth, maturity, and obedience in our life based on these five verses in Galatians chapter 1. And Father, I pray for anyone here that knows, they feel that pounding in their chest, they feel that pit in their stomach, they know that what they heard today is true and they've never acted upon it. God, give them the courage to respond today and to stay. For anyone who's confused, they need to know more. Give them the courage to stay behind today. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for new life in Christ. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for freedom in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all said. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Amen, amen. Praise God, thank you.
So as you're dismissed, as a follower in Christ, go. Respond in obedience to what the Lord has impressed on your heart. But for anyone who might need to stay back and have a conversation, please just stay behind. And I'll, I'm going to be right up here. Just come up to this front row, have a seat, and uh, we'll have a chat in a little bit and stuff. But God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.